You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This episode of Uncorking a Story is brought to you by Mike Carlin's novel, Winning Streak, an inspiring story about loss and finding love while working through grief. But don't worry, since it's a Mike Carlin story, there are plenty of laughs along the way. You can purchase Winning Streak in paperback or ebook format wherever you buy books online. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I'm very excited to share with you my conversation with Dawn Carpenter of The We Project, a nonprofit organization that helps feed, clothe, and mentor needy people in northern New Jersey. And like many beautiful stories, this one was born from a tragedy, and we'll get into that more uh, in a few minutes. Before we do that, though, I want to spend just a moment or two, maybe more, uh, reflecting on something that she said during the course of our conversation, which really hit home for me. She was talking about why it's so important for her to constantly champion the WE Project and said the following, if people don't know what your needs are, they will never be met. Just listen to that again. If people don't know what your needs are, they will never be met. It's it's such a simple sentiment, um, but it's also very true. And in fact, it hit me like a slap in the face because historically, I've always been the kind of person who never asked for help. And not because I'm some cliched macho guy, I'm really not. And those of you who know me know that I'm the furthest thing from macho. You know, I am not Mr. Verley from Three's Company. But it's because starting, you know, as a kid, I was always able to adapt to new situations very quickly. Um, let me just tell you a quick story. I have a twin brother named Jimmy. Uh, and for those of you who know me from the Connecticut comedy scene, will know him as Brother Jimmy. Now, Brother Jimmy as a kid... Uh, was sick a lot. It required many trips to the doctor, a um, lot of trips to the hospital. He would actually take up, and rightfully so, a lot of my mother's attention. And to give you a little bit more context about our home life, I have two older siblings. Uh, Greg is nine years older than me. My sister, Mia, seven years older than me. Our father was uh, frequently on the road as a traveling salesman. Um, and uh, to help fill in the void uh, while kind of mom was busy with Jimbo, and I'm sure he doesn't appreciate me calling him Jimbo, was my Italian grandmother. She would drive from Pompano Beach. Uh, we lived in Florida at the time. She lived in Pompano Beach. We lived in Plantation, which is a town just west of Fort Lauderdale. And she would come and help take care of us. Um, because I was the youngest, and you know, Greg and Mia were both you know, that much older, where they were a little bit more independent, she and I became very close, and at a young age, she taught me how to cook, and I am happy to tell you that at six years old, I could make a tomato sauce that would destroy anything you could buy in a jar, which, uh, you know, I, I still make to this day, and uh, the family loves it, but uh, I digress. Um, her, her kind of um, personality uh, rubbed off on me in more ways than one. She was a woman who was ahead of her time a very strong woman. She ran her own businesses. And this is kind of going back in, into those times. 
um, you know, think about the 40s and 50s. Uh, not that I was alive then, but, you know, she was, you know, she was older. Um, she uh, was ahead of her time doing those kinds of things, you know, through the, the Carlin family lore. One of her business partners in, in her uh, design business, her, her, she was a seamstress, was the designer Oleg Cassini. And uh, as, as far as family lore goes, she taught him everything he knew. And that could be hyperbole. Um, not going to lie there. But uh, I wouldn't doubt that there's some truth to it, just, just knowing who she was. Now, why am I talking about Grandma? Well, her fierce independence and her strength really did rub off on me at a very young age. I seemed, you know, when I was a kid, to be able to handle anything that came my way. People used to say that I had, you know, grace under pressure. And when I became the father of triplets, I'd often admit to my mother that I was actually overwhelmed and I was stressed out. And I remember her saying to me on many occasions, you know, Michael, if anyone can handle it in this family, it's you. And, and you know, while I appreciate that sentiment, while I appreciate her faith in me, it wasn't exactly helpful at the time because I still felt very stressed um, and I still felt very overwhelmed. And the point of all of this is that, you know, over the past few years, you know, I've, I've recognized um, some things. Number one, the, the past few years, you know, for, for lack of a better term, have been hard on me. Uh, about four years ago, I was downsized out of um, a very lucrative job. I was kind of blindsided by that. I went back to self-employment. Um, which, uh, you know, in a single income household is, you know, to, to call it stressful is uh, an understatement, right? Um, think about health insurance and how expensive it is, you know, for to, to have, you know, health insurance for five people. I mean, I, I was paying more for health insurance than I was for a mortgage, which is pretty astronomical. Um, over, you know, that period of time, my wife, uh, also experienced some significant health issues. She gave us a number of scares and I could go on, but I, I want to kind of protect her privacy there a little bit. Uh, but the point is looking back, um, I was completely overwhelmed and I was showing signs of depression, although I didn't realize it at the time I was watching TV alone well into the night. Uh, my wife and I would go in different directions. I would sit and, um, you know, enjoy Netflix, Game of Thrones, whatever you want to, whatever was popular at the time with my good friend, Kim Crawford, which, you know, for those of you who don't know, isn't a person, but a delicious, minerally tasting Savion Blanc from New Zealand. Uh, and over that time, I, I gained a lot of weight. I lost my spark. I became angry. I became resentful. And the old Mike, who was always overly optimistic, became somebody who was only seeing flaws in the world. I was only seeing the problems with things and not the opportunities of things. And now think about Dawn's words again that I shared a few minutes ago. If people don't know what your needs are, they will never be met. Why do I keep coming back to that? Well, it's because my fierce independence that I had from a very young age prevented me from sharing how badly I was suffering inside. That took a major toll on me. It took a major toll on my family. And I'll spare you the nitty-gritty details. Um, you know, but late last year, I uh, was able to, to really come to terms with the fact that I wasn't happy and the fact that um, I needed some help. Um, and I found that in the form, number one, of a, of a supportive spouse who I was not giving enough credit to because I wasn't confiding in her any of this stuff. 
Um, because one of the other things that I learned about myself was that I have a hard time opening up and I have a hard time with conflict. Um, but I also found it in the form of uh, a counselor who's helping me work through all these barriers that I erected in my childhood. And, you know, these are things that previously, previously stood in the way of not only, you know, having me ask for help, but also in dealing with interpersonal conflict, which is something that I'm, I'm working through as well. And a story for another time. But uh, here's, here's the headline, right? The headline is things are good now. I'm happier than I've been in a very long time. I used to walk around with chronic neck pain and that neck pain that I was suffering from for, for the past few years, uh, which I can never seem to get rid of, has all of a sudden kind of vanished, um, which can sometimes happen when uh, you make the decision to shed the resentment and anger that you carry around for so long. Um, I didn't realize how angry I was at, at my former boss for kind of, uh, you know, um, my unceremonious being let go uh, a few years back. But... Um, it's in the past, and uh, I'm, I'm able to, uh, to to work through it. So as you listen to my conversation with Dawn, uh, please keep in mind that notion that it's okay to ask for help. Particularly, um, think about that when she starts talking about the tragic event in her life that inspired the Weed Project. So now, without any commercial interruptions or a word from our fictitious sponsors, here's my conversation with the Weed Project's Dawn Carpenter. <laughs> So if, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of start by telling me a little bit about who you are and kind of what, what the WE Project is all about. Okay, so the WE Project, actually, I'll give you a very brief about me. Um, 65 years old, I went to school for law, did not pursue it, went to become a state trooper, did not pursue it. It just didn't. It piqued my interest, but it didn't satisfy my 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 soul, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, was in retail for about twenty seven years, and then I decided to. You know, I said, "Hey, I'm going to work for myself." So I'm a legal services broker now. That's about dawn. Yeah. So let's get to the Wee Project. About two and a half years ago, uh, one of my business partners said, "Hey." We need um, we need an extra set of hands at the food pantry at the church that she goes to, and uh, I mean basically she said well, I need your your help for two maybe three hours. I said okay. Long story short, um, I went. I saw the way it was being run. It was it was it had a life of its own. Um, a lot of personalities, a lot of rules, a lot of regulations, and at the end of the day, there were still a lot of very many hungry people. Um, I went home and I thought about it, and I, it kind of bothered me. And um, the real reason that the WE Project was born was uh, I had a brother who um, was a drug addict, and for many, many years, um, he never dealt with his addiction and he used to go to 12 step meetings while being an active addict. And he went to the meetings, not for the aspect of recovery, but for taking food from the food pantries that were in the churches. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I, when he, when I would see him do this, um, or I would hear about it, I didn't actually watch him do this. Um, it broke my heart that there are people that choose to live 
in this manner. I mean, he would go there uh, pretending to be in recovery just to, to get food. And he was basically taking food that would have been given to him. But, you know, it, it was, it was in my eyes, it was sad and it was pathetic. And um, I just saw the need everywhere I looked um, in New Jersey. There's so, you know, everybody thinks New Jersey is such a rich state and, you know, we live at the in Bergen County. Uh, we used to live in Hudson County, which is the waterfront. And, you know, everybody has their perception. But the grittiness of it is there are many people that are hungry. And um, the food pantry was, in, in my eyes, it was there There needed to be more on a, on a consistent basis. Food pantry was twice a month. And I said to uh, my business partner, I said, you know what? I said, we have access to food. There are companies out there that are just dumping food every day, every week. I said, all we have to do is make ourselves available to distribute this, to get it out there. I said, it's, it's a real sin. Um, and I'm not a religious person. I'm not really even a spiritual person. I'm just somebody that wants to help. Yeah. Um, and, and the reality was, I went in the office, you know, and I saw the need, and, and I said to my husband, I said, you know what? I said, Derek, he said, there's so much that we could be doing. He's like, well, can I do it? Do it. He said, let's just do it. He said, I'll support you. He's like, all right. I went in my office, closed the door. I um, became a, a corporation in 15 minutes. I applied for a nonprofit status in about 20 minutes and had all the documents in our, ha in our hands and in, in the house in about a week. Uh, reached out to a lot of companies that I know had a lot of food. I work with this one organization called Table to Table, which is huge, and they are awesome. And they actually gave us our, our break in our first uh, delivery of food. And we feed into 15 to 20 organizations every week. They have anywhere between 100 to 200 families that they do. And then I do what's known as Community Table. Uh, which is from, say, 7 a.m. to about noon every Saturday morning, feeding anywhere between 200 to 300 families. Um, and that, that is the WE Project, you know, what we can do together. And it just, it's, it's, it's such a blessing to be able to have a, a mother and her two or three children walk up to the table and, and, and let the children pick and choose fresh food that they would not otherwise have. So... That's what we're about. <laughs> and and it kind of I don't want to say it all started with your brother, but um, th that's that was a kind of a source of kind of inspiration for you to just to, to see his struggle and his reality. Um. Yes and no. I was I was in in my heart and in my soul. I was trying to. I want to say I guess make up for him taking something that wasn't his to take that would have been freely given to him and it just to me you know what's the difference between going to a church pantry taking food going to a supermarket and stealing it it's it's wrong either way um but the fact that people feel that they you know we, we talk about living in this country and you know, i'm not going to get political that's not me either um but there's so much to me it's wrong to throw away a ton or two tons of food every week when it could be going to the masses. I mean, there are people, and I see it every day, you know, they'll take a half a pizza and throw it in the trash. Meanwhile, on the corner, somebody's panhandling. 
Um, so I guess I felt like I had to make up for what my brother did because I felt like, you know, maybe he just, he went about it the wrong way. Um, and, and there are so many people that when we, when the food pantry, now they're down at once a month, my, uh, my offering, my, or our we project offering is every Saturday morning. We've shoveled, we're outdoors. Um, we have no, we have no structure. We have no building. You know, we receive anywhere between 20, 30 pallets a week. And it's two women um, and three gentlemen that break down this food, distribute it, and, you know, my husband does the back office because he's got a, he's got a heart condition. He can't get out there every morning. Um, but we get up at 3 a.m. We meet a truck at 5, 5 a.m. And we get everything, you know, we get everything stacked and divided and separated. And it's just, a you know, it's a great feeling to be able to feed people that there. We have two income households that just aren't making it. Yeah. You know, and to be able to be able to get this food into their to their hands and to their homes, you know, it, it's incredible. I mean, and it's not, you know, like day old bread. I mean, we're talking like very nutritious, very nutritious, very um, desired food, you know? So I guess in a way it was like making up saying, I'm sorry for what he did, you know, him taking food. Um, but more that there, you know, if that's one person doing it. How many more mm. are there, you know? Um, so it's kind of crazy, but you know, like when, um, we do it in Jersey city, New Jersey. And, um, the time we, you know, we get up and we get there and you still see people just coming home from the nightclubs in New York. And some of them are like teetering as they're walking and, you know, they're like, Oh, what do you got? What do you got? Um, you know, and we're telling them it's food and, you know, I still, you know, you see addicts walking around, um, where we're situated, and really funny, uh, next to a laundromat, and they had these two clothing donation boxes uh, in their parking lot. And I'm standing there with my business partner um, taking the, the shipment of food, and all of a sudden these, these huge clothing donation boxes start moving. I'm like, oh, what's going on? I turn around, and believe it or not, they were, there were two of them side by side, and there was one man slid out of the opening, the chute where you throw the clothing. Another guy slid out the other one. They were living in there. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. Um, so you just you see these things, and I was like, all these signs. I said, you know, I said, okay, when you, I, I don't even know how to say it. When you freshen up, I mean, what do you say to somebody that's coming out of a clothing box? Yeah. Um, Come on over, get you know, get online and let me give you something to eat. Um, but they went in their laundromat, they freshened up literally, and they came over, they got food, and I mean that went on for about three or four weeks. Wow! They removed the boxes, and I still see the guys walking around. So we're, you know, it's it's heartbreaking to see it, but um, we're we're looking to grow the organization. Um, one of our goals for 2019 was to get a a truck in order to help shut-ins and the, the, you know, people that couldn't get out of their homes. And uh, believe it or not, three weeks before the end of the year, I had a man approach me in the parking lot, and he said, uh, he asked a question. He said, are you Dawn? And I said, I am. 
he said, are you the founder of this project? And I said, yes, I am. And I, I was looking at him like inquisitively and I said, why, what's up? He's like, uh, so we hear you're doing some good stuff in the community and we want to help you. And he said, um, it, I was in my personal vehicle and he said to me, is this what you've been using to transport food? And I said, yeah. He goes, can you get out? And I said, sure. He said, open your trunk. And I said, why? He said, I was just watching you from inside the church. I said, and? He said, did you just load this up with vegetables? And I said, yeah. I said, I got to get it to where it's got to go. He goes, I said, you know, what am I going to do? Carry it on my back? And it's a, you know, I have a, um, a Jaguar truck. And he says to me, this is not the type of vehicle that you transport food in. I said, well, that's all I've got. He goes, yeah, that was until now. Their organization made a brand, they gave me a check for a brand new Jeep. Wow. So, you know, hard work, good work gets recognized. And we were just like, bam, you know, our one goal for the year. Literally, we purchased a vehicle on December 31st. Wow. So, yeah, right? I mean, that was so cool. Uh, I'm up the ante. I'm like, all right, so we want to do a community center. We need a building to do this. So that's our goal for 2020. Um, and we are working with a lot of awesome, huge corporations that have uh, recognized us. Uh, the day I got home from picking out the vehicle, we all, I opened the mailbox and there was a another donor from last year. Our first donor from last year sent us another check this year. And they said, you're still at it keep up the great work and we're just like wow this thing is just taken out a life of its own man and it is huge so i i'm excited well you know one of the things i wanted to to kind of home home in on a little bit is um you know something you mentioned earlier which is you know you, you had you know derek's support saying hey well why don't why don't you start something and it seemed like you you went from zero to 60 very quickly in terms of getting an organization set up filing paperwork becoming like a legitimate nonprofit organization. And, and to me that, that touches on something that I hear about when I talk to entrepreneurs, when I hear about, and I talk to, to artists and authors, which is the ability to put thought into action. So, you know, one of the things that, that I've learned from doing this is, you know, there are, there are a lot of people out there who have ideas and who have dreams but very few of them are able to actually act on them. It seems like you were able to do that quickly, and I just I just wanted you to, to reflect on that for me a little bit and, and tell me, why do you think it, um, you know, what were the keys to, to your ability to do that so quickly? Um, huh. I've never been one to sit on my hands. Um, if I see something always champions for the underdog. Um, my personality is such where I'm not afraid to ask. I mean, worst case you can tell me is no. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't an issue getting the, um, getting, like I said, I made a decision in my head but because I realized the need to, to, to do more. So, you know, I was never, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I never, as a child, never went without, um, you know, I wanted to go, I, I wanted to finish high school. I wanted to obviously go to college. I wanted to become a cop. I wanted to become a lawyer. I, I you know, since 1982, um, I, I have a cosmetology license 
I've set a lot of different things as as goals, and I just I just do it. I mean, I don't I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't give much thought to it. Um, I, like I said, I was in retail for 27 years, and you know, I just walked away from that career. And I was I mean, I was six figures when I when I left that and decided that you know what, hey, I'm going to work for myself. I was scared crapless. I mean, <laughs> drink up. I mean, I'm like, okay, you're an idiot. You got a check every week. Now you have to go make a check. You have to, you know, if you don't work, you don't get paid. Um, but, you know, I went online. Literally, I went into my office, closed the door, and I said, okay, so I need to start a corporation. Went, did, got my articles of incorporation, pulled out my debit card, paid for that. Went on to the federal website, 501c3, the long form, the short form, went on, I did that, pulled out the, you know, the debit card on the computer, paid for that. I went, I ordered tables, I ordered tents, I ordered banners. I said, okay, so we need to be legitimate. I went to the city of Jersey City. I said, okay, so we need to start this in a big way. Let's do a, you know, at that, you know, when, I, when we started this. Uh, food truck festivals, everybody pulling in their food trucks, went to the city. I said, listen, I said, we need to jumpstart this. I want, I want everybody to know who the heck we are. I want them to know that, you know, they can come and they can get food every week. I want our name out there. Um, you know, our colors are black with hot pink. I said, you know, let's make a statement. Went to the city. Um, they were fabulous as far as helping me get the permits. Um, we did a food truck festival, which normally took like five to six months to put together. We put it together in six weeks yeah um was really successful had the help of the police department the fire department i mean they were all there it was just i strongly listen i've had friends um you know and i've listened listened to some of your podcasts and um you know i i have mad respect for a lot of people that just go out there like one of our best friends derek and, and my best friend is a comedian named mike gaffney you know and he went out there and he just like he wouldn't give up on his dream. And although the WE project wasn't our dream, it's nothing at the age of 14. I said, oh, I want to have a nonprofit when I get older. Had this thought at like 10 a.m. over breakfast, and by noon, we were a nonprofit. So it was just putting the, you know, the awareness into action and just doing it. Yeah. Honestly, nothing special. It. I mean, it, it. You. You say nothing special, but it is in the sense that. I mean, again, not not everybody has the ability to do it. Um, to kind of take that thought, put it into action, but it is special in the sense that you're helping people, and you're 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 you know people who otherwise wouldn't have a, a nutritious meal to eat are able to right. to do so because of you. So that is. Um. I mean, to me, that that sounds like something very special. Very special. Yes, I, I maybe I used the wrong word. Um, <laughs> it it didn't take. It was a thought, and we put it into action. You know, it wasn't something. I've never been the person that said, "Oh, I'm lying." I the only thing I hesitate with. Okay, I'm starting that diet tomorrow. That thing just doesn't ever work for Dawn. <laughs> but you know, let's build a building. Let's build a corporation. Let's raise five hundred thousand dollars. I can do that stuff. <laughs> yeah, step away from the cheesecake, not too much. But you know, I mean, everybody has their 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 things. That's one of my things. But you, um, you know, but it I, is. I, 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 go ahead. No, no, I said I get it. I and that is special. But 
I don't see us as special people. I, I just would, I wish everybody would do something that do what you can do. Yeah. And that's really it. Right. It's, it's, it's not a superpower that some people have and some people don't have. It's, it's kind of the willingness to, uh, want to make a difference and, and do even, even small things, even small things people do can make a difference in the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so now, I mean, so this year you want a building. So last year you got, you got the truck at the, I mean, the last minute, I mean, it was the fourth quarter, <laughs> you know, the fourth quarter, the, <laughs> the ball was on the one yard line. You had one second on the clock. Um, and, and you get it. Uh, so this year you want a building. Now, how, how can people help? How can people, so I'm, I'm imagining there is someone out there listening to this who might say, hey, I want to help the WE Project. How, how do they reach out to you and how do they, how can they support you? Uh, okay, so one of the other things that we were working on is our website. That I wasn't so quick with. Um, the vehicle we got, but the website I'm working on. Um, basically, I guess they can... We have a Facebook presence. Um, uh, we are, you know, the WE Project. The WE, capital W, capital E, Project. Um, basically, if they are looking to support, they can, I don't know if I'm allowed to, uh, reach out to me directly or, my, you know, with my phone number. I have no issues. My phone number sure. is everywhere. Um, but I'm located in New Jersey. We I operate, the nonprofit is based in uh, Bergen County. We operate, all of our work is in Hudson County, um, primarily in Jersey City, uh, where I was born and partially raised. So they can reach out to me directly at 201-456-8908, or they can look us up, like I said, on Facebook as The We Project. Um, our logo is pink and black. You, once you see it, you'll never forget it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we seriously are, what we want to do is we want to help a lot of people. Um, we operate, like I said, every Saturday we're outdoors, whether that's rain or snow. I mean, we we shovel snow to get, take the delivery in a parking lot. Um, our recipients are outside. There aren't many places that could house the amount of people that we um, we work with every week. But what we are looking to do, like I said, is open up a community center where we can help um, the the younger generation, um, you know, people if they needed to talk, I mean, uh, with their housing, with their health. We're looking to bring a bunch of social service agencies together in a in a more informal setting, if you will, where people aren't afraid or intimidated to go in and, and, and ask for what they need. Because you know what, what I have found, I mean, and, and this is, uh, this is how it's been. If I don't ask for help, I won't get it. If people don't know what your needs are, they'll never be met, you know, and we're not going to sit there in a suit and tie and look over our glasses and say to people, you know, we're not going to judge you. Um, and, 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 and that's it where, you know, a, a non-judgmental zone of, of people that want to help you. Um, so yeah, we, we need, we're going to be doing some fundraisers. Um, I'm working with two very large, uh, real estate corporations based in JC and they are, they have 
been wonderful through the, believe it or not, we met at the end of 2019 and they were just instrumental in getting, um, you know, 500 families full holiday dinners twice. They did a toy drive for us. They did a, uh, a food drive for us. They just have been absolutely phenomenal. And like I said, there are people and corporations willing to help. They just need to know um, that there are people willing to work to help the community. Yeah. Uh, and we're not going to stop until we get what we need. Yeah, I, I love that that sentiment, and it's something I tell my kids. Um, I have three seventeen-year-olds, by the way. Um, so, bless you. Yes, yeah, he has. I think um, he also has a sense of humor. But um, but this notion that you know people, if, if people don't know what you need, your needs will never be met. If people don't know what your needs are, they'll never be met. I I love that sentiment because. Um, you know, I think that's true in so many situations. Like I, t- I tell my kids, like if you need something, you you gotta let me know. If you need help in school, you gotta let a teacher or, or counselor know. If you need help in life, you have to let people know. That's something that I've struggled with. You know, in my adult life is is this. You know, I, I, I I'm not I'm the least macho person you'll ever meet in your life, Don. But it, it's more of like like but not letting people know when I need help. Um, that, Why? You know, I, I I've been I've been talking to my therapist about it. <laughs> it's I, I don't know what it is. I think you know it, it gets into something um, that that's rooted in my childhood, which I I probably shouldn't go into here. But um, there there is that that notion where you know um, you know some people just don't ask. But if you want to start a business, if if you want to be successful in in any kind of endeavor. You know, people have to realize they don't have all the answers. They have to recognize and almost humble themselves to, to say that and to, to ask for help. Um, and that's another one of these, I think, characteristics that separate kind of the doers from the dreamers, if you will. Yeah. Just, yeah. See, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, just uh, this, that was kind of my my Jerry Springer thought of the moment there. <laughs> oh um okay so i'll let you in on on just like a little a little back history here so my dad was one of those macho macho italian guys where you don't ever let him know what you're thinking you don't ever let them you know you know the you know if you you ask you're weak if you know uh, what a bunch of crap um because i've got to tell you and it's not about not humbling. Um, it's very, listen, when I used to, it, it bothered me that my brother would rather rob a food pantry than come to his sister and ask for $20. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell did I do wrong? Like we were, we were, we're from the same family. We were same people. Um, like I didn't, I'm not a drug addict. Um, I don't, I don't, um, feel any less about you or towards you because you have, to me, that's a disease. I mean, just like cancer or heart or, you know, or, or to me, that's a disease that needs to be treated as a disease. Um, but to, to not, you know, and I don't know if that was pride or machismo or what, that, 
didn't allow him to ask for help. You know, the fact that he may have, you know, unfortunately, when my brother got clean and, and, and um, finally stayed clean and sober for three years, he was killed in a, so ironic. Um, my brother had a drug overdose. Um, he had three strokes from drugs. He, they called me up from, they called Derek and I up, believe it or not, from a hospital in Atlantic County, New Jersey. And they said, you need to get here. Your brother's the sickest person in the hospital. That's all we can say. I'm like, yeah, no, well, that's not enough. Because I'm going to drive three hours and I'm not knowing what's going on. They're like, you just got to get down here. So we got in the car. We went down there. My brother was laying um, on life support. And they said, there's no brain activity. And me with my stupid sense of humor, I'm like, well, keep digging. It's there. That's, it's been like that for a long time. Um, you know, and I, I, then I said to myself, that was wrong. But, you know, they told me he wasn't going to make it through the night. And he proved them wrong. Um, he was, he was, he made it through the night. He made it through, he made it through three years. He was fine afterwards. But they, they gave him his last rights twice. Yeah. I say all that to say that you... You never know, like, if he would have just asked for help. And that's, like, with me, it's humble yourself, ask for, it's not even, I don't need the help, I'm okay. You know, like, I, I, I have my business, I have my little car, and, you know, and, and I was okay just helping a few people. But other people saw that this thing was growing and, and leaps and bounds literally around us. And they're like, no, you, you need more stuff. You, cause this thing is growing beyond you, Dawn, like Chica, open your eyes and see how many more people, you know, and I don't realize cause I'm in the, I'm caught in the grips of helping these people come to my table and get their food. Meanwhile, I've got hundreds of people online wrapping around the block up to Kennedy Boulevard, which is a main thoroughfare. And I'm like, they're like, did you see the line today? I'm like, no, nah, I really have enough chance. I'm a little bit busy over here feeding people. Um, and it's not that we feed them meals. We give them food for the week. Yeah. So we're packing bags and we're doing everything. But I mean, like I just, and I get obviously all over the board with this, but if I think, yes, if you just let people know where you are, you know, because if you don't tell me, I'm just going to probe and prod and prick at you and, you know, because you can always sense when people need. And like I said, we have two income households that their children haven't had kiwi or or oranges because they can't afford them i mean to me that's just insanity you know and it does take you know i love my volunteers they show up every week without fail pouring rain like i said in the blizzard last year and we're just we're out there because we understand like we were all Nine out of nine out of ninety percent of us, I should say, were born and raised in in Jersey City, and we realize that although everybody thinks this is a a money community, there are you know there's somebody that's living in a four thousand dollar a month apartment uh, next to somebody that's li renting a room for five hundred dollars a month. We're all one community, and you know people thumb their noses. They don't realize that your next door neighbor just needs an extra an extra bag of food to live healthy. You know, they're eating sugar and crap and all this. And, you know, what we do is what we teach our children. If, you know, if we teach our children that, you know, you have to be proud, you can't ask for help, that's how they're growing up. You know, and it is about humbling yourself. And it is about, you know, what it touches me when I see people that 
you know, they, they look at, and the, the one gentleman that uh, grew up in the community that heads this real estate uh, corporation, he grew up in Jersey City Heights. And he said to me, I grew up with my two brothers in a bed. He said, and he said, he gives back so much to, to the community where he grew up. And it just, it's amazing what this man has, has done and what he continues to do um, for, for the community, you know, and if there were just a few more people that did that, it, it would make a, you know, a world of difference. It really would. So just, just to go back to something you said about your brother, you mentioned something about irony. So it sounds like he did, he did pass away. My brother, um, after, yeah, after being clean and sober for three years, after the, the triple strokes from the, um, from his overdose, yeah. he, he, like I said, he came back strong as a bull. And, um, he was, um, because he had had the strokes, he, um, his insurance had made, uh, every, every month he had to go to see a neurologist just to make sure he was on the right path. And he was fine. Um, he was doing well. And he was in New York, uh, on, uh, in a transport van. Um, uh, they were taking him to his doctor's appointment and a bus, um, blew a red light. And my brother was killed uh, on impact. Wow. That, yeah. Yeah. At uh, 48 years old, he was crushed to death in a transport van. And it was so ironic because his, you know, we were uh, two years apart. And um, I got a phone call from my uncle that day. And he said to me, he couldn't even hear. I couldn't understand a word he said. And what I got was, Vinny's dead. You need to get to a hospital to identify his body. Oh, my gosh. He said, I can't I can't do it. Don't ask me to. I said, all right. I got in the car. I ran. Uh, Derek was out with some friends having dinner, and I ran to him, and I told him. I said, Vinny died, and he just looked at me. I said, I've got to go up to the hospital. And I, I didn't even wait for him to come outside and come with me. I just got in my car, and I went. And uh, I went, and I had to ID his body. and. I said that day, I said, you know what? No, nobody should have to scramble for a meal. I mean, I know it sounds so, so small and like poultry and it just, it tore me up that people would rather suffer in silence than ask for help from their family, from their friends. Um, so I vowed that day, I said, if I ever see an opportunity to help somebody, I'm going to. And three years later, I don't know why three years, I don't know what happened, but my friend Pam, like I said, after church, she said, we're a little light at the food pantry today. We need we need somebody to help with the intake paperwork. I said, yeah. And I said, it's, it's I said, I said, it's Saturday. I said, I- I'm going to the beach or something. Like, something stupid. Um, I, you know, a Jersey girl. I'm, I'm going down to shore. What do you, what do you want me to do? She's like, can you come help? I said, yeah, all right. And I just, it's like, it touched my heart that you see these families come through the doors and they just, they don't have enough money to feed their children. It just, it, it, she's my friend. It sucked. Yeah. So I said, you know what? No. I said, if we could ever do something, and I worked at, with her at the food pantry there for about a year, um, and I was like, okay, so this is, 
this is every two weeks, the twice a month you guys do this. What about the other weeks? I said, I go food shopping every week. And she's like, yeah, but we, we don't have food to do it every week. I said, ah, bull crap. I said, there's, there's, I said, let's reach out to companies. Let's ask them to donate. I said, what are you talking about? There's not enough food. So I got a li- I, I went on the internet, me and the internet, me and Mr. Google. Um, <laughs> I was like, all right, Google, give me the 20 closest companies to Jersey, uh, food companies to Jersey City, New Jersey. And I got on the phone and I, I don't know if I shamed people or what, but I got on with like 20 different CFOs and CEOs and COOs and every C that you can imagine. And I was like, look, I said, uh, my name is Dawn and uh, I'm with so-and-so food pantry. I said this. And I realized, unfortunately, that when you're affiliated, and here I go, it's controversial, um, but a lot of times there are companies that don't want to donate to a church. Yeah, I know. For whatever reason, you know, and I was just like, Okay, so take the church out of it. There's people that are hungry. And they're like, well, you already told us. I was like, all right, well, whatever. So I kind of, that, that was the, the the first check in the box, if you will, that told me, okay, so you need to start something yourself, and you can't be a church. Well, I'm not a church, so I'm just going to be a nonprofit that helps people. And um, it, you would not believe the response was like, yes. Yes, yes. Um, do you have an, a, a, a transportation? I say, yes. All right, well, come get it. And it was just, we were able to, we started doing it every week. Um, like I said, we Table to Table was one of the, is, is like the premier organization as far as I'm concerned. Um, and they're right here in, in Hashford Heights. And uh, we deal with like the best people. And they said, if you want to be one of our hubs um, where we drop the food off to you and you want to be, you want to take on that responsibility. I said, Oh yeah, absolutely. And like clockwork, like five thirty every Saturday morning, the truck rolls in, he drops off food, leaves, comes back and does it a second time, sometimes three times. And uh, it's just growing. It is it's like miracle grow yeah. for food for people it's just and as big as it gets i mean there's just going to be you know we need more volunteers and, and i have people that offer all the time and you know you know it kind of makes me laugh because i'll get people that say all right well for thanksgiving week i'm going to come and help okay well for christmas week i want to come and help okay so that's two out of 52 what are you doing the other 50 weeks <laughs> and I'm like, and I say it to people, I'm like, yeah, well, we need help 52 weeks out of the year because we don't take a break because hunger doesn't take a break. Yeah. So um, we're there every week, like I said. And yeah, so that was the thing with my brother. He was killed. Um, and I'm just trying to, I've made my, I, I've made, I think, his amends for his, his mistakes, you know, um, you know, and had I just been, I felt a little more um, forceful, if you will, and in in reading his problems, uh, you know, maybe maybe it wouldn't have turned out the way it did. But I accept life for what it is, and I vow to help people that need the help. That's it in a nutshell. Well, I mean, it. it I mean, so the the beautiful thing about the story is, you know, there there's a, a terrible tragedy in, in in the life and and death of your brother, but how you were able to, you know, take that and turn that into something that's, that's really quite beautiful, which is this, 
um, uh, organization that helps feed people every week of the year. Um, can, can you think of a, a story or an interaction you've had with somebody you've helped um, that, that touched you in a way? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can. Um, okay, so let's take you back 20 years ago when uh, Derek and I, we've been together 30 years, but we um, we were living in a city called North Bergen, and uh, the superintendent of our property had a son named Ernie, and we watched Ernie grow from a little spoiled boy to a big spoiled grown man, and, um, you know, about a year and a half ago, um, no, wait a second, no, 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 about a year ago, this coming February, um, I was online and I saw something uh, about my my little dude Ernesto, Ernie, had uh, been diagnosed with cancer, and um, it killed me. It totally killed me because I watched this kid grow up, and I was just like, "Oh no, I'm not doing." You know, and just tragedy. Um, and he had just had a he and his uh, fiance just had a um, little son, and she had another son from a prior uh, prior relationship. And I'm saying to myself, "I've got to reach out to him." I know, um, but I watched. A perfectly healthy man have, you know, just at the beginning of his, uh, so to speak, his uh, his family portion of his life, um, be hit with this disease. I've watched him fight for the past few months um, through surgery and, and, you know, the chemo and and everything else. And we as an organization, um, while he was out and fighting and, and, his fiance was in school trying to finish her degree and taking care of two children and her mother and a man, you know, her, her, we, uh, they live in New Jersey. His, his treatments, everything was in New York. Um, we as an organization, we, the we project, um, we were able to help them out with food on a weekly. And most recently I had said this real estate, um, company was a, they did a, a great food drive and, then they did this fabulous toy drive and they have uh, two young boys and we were able, you know, we got all these toys and we were able to bless uh, another church in Jersey city who ran short of toys. And we were able to bless them with a hundred toys for a hundred other children and we were able, as the organization, Derek and I were able to be able to call up Ernesto and say, hey, we know what you've been going through. And we can only assume that funds are low. And the WE Project wants to make this donation of toys for your boys. Um, and we were able to, I was, I just, it blew me out of the water that we were able to do it. But we rolled up to, and I get a very emotional talking about it, but we were able to roll up to their house and have the mom and dad come down and pick whatever they wanted for their boys. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just such a great thing because they each came down and they picked one item. And me being me, I'm like, are you out of your damn mind? Somebody rolls up and opens their truck to you and they're, they're like, yeah, well, it looks a little uh, illegal. I'm like, no, it's not illegal. 
I said, this is a blessing, my dears. I said, so take what you want to your boys. I said, because, you know, you never know if it's your last Christmas with somebody or not. You know, he's still going through. And all I can think about is, you know, you want those kids to have, the, you know, this is, um, the little guy is just two, uh, three. And this is like the first Christmas he really understood what was going on. And he was, the Wee Project was really able to bless them with, you know, food at the end of the year and, and toys so that it really made a special holiday season. So yeah, there's a story for you right there. Yeah, no. Don't ask me for another one. <laughs> no, I will. I will not probe any any further into that. But um, you mentioned before uh, that you're are you of Italian heritage. Is that did, did I understand that right? Yeah, that would be me. I'm Sicilian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. So did did you do the fishes on uh, Christmas Eve or what? Okay, so I'm one of the most horrible Sicilians you'll ever meet. I do not eat any fish, and cheese makes my head hurt. Um, <laughs> I am an Italian that loves Mexican food. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> but I do believe in eating, like I told you. I will not step away from the cheesecake. Um, you know, my idea of being Italian, you know, the seven fishes, it's like seven cannolis or seven schmogadilles. You know, I I do the pastries instead. My um, I my my mother's Italian, hundred percent, and she Uh-oh. she always did the fishes. I and I, you know, I grew up in South Florida. I don't touch fish. I can't stand it. Um, so so a couple <laughs> a couple years ago, my wife is like, you know, she likes it when I cook. She's like, you know, I like, it's a it's thing Christmas Eve. Can you cook for us? And I'm like, we're not doing the feast of the seven fishes. We're gonna do the feast of the seven chickens. <laughs> I made seven different kinds go. of chicken. I made seven different kinds of chicken, and it was actually a, a very fun night. Um, but I, I can't do I'm the fish either. Try that. Oh, it's oh, good. You, oh, okay, okay. No, yeah, but you know what? Yeah, and I'm really grooving on that. Last night I had like the best chicken marsala. So you just gave me. Oh, Derek's gonna love you. Come next December twenty fourth. Let me tell you. Oh no! It was uh, it was a good night. It was a good night. Now, how about this? Um, are you first, second generation Italian? Where 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 does where, how far back does does uh, it go uh, in the states? Grandparents. 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 Uh, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this about about your grandparents because my my grandparents are Italian immigrants too. Did they ever call things by the wrong name? Uh, yeah. Is there a right name? No, it's like my grandmother. I remember very clearly saying, "Michael, go to the uh, go to the the cupboard and give me a gumizigam." And I'm like, "What? A what?" Absolutely. She's like, "A gumizigam. Give me the gumizigam." I'm like, "I don't know what a gumizigam is." She's like, "Oh no, the macaroni go in, the water go bye bye." I'm like, "You you you want a colander, Grandma?" She's like, "That's what I said." <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I think they all did that. Ugh. But that was part of the charm. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. But now I use words like that to my wife. She's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Speak English. I'm like, ah, okay. (laughs) I guess I'll speak English. Absolutely. So, yeah, Derek, you know, Derek's not Italian. You've met Derek. Oh, no. He didn't look Um, that Italian to me, but, you know, I don't want to (laughs) judge. He, uh, you know, he grew up with the Italians. And, um, like, right across the street, they, they had the Grillo's. And there, I think, were five or six of them, uh, kids, and then the parents, and 
you know, when he met me, he is very, you know, it's funny because he grew up in suburbia and I grew up in the city, like I'm the city kid. And um, he's very refined and, you know, proper. And me, I'm like, ah, get out of the way. You know, it's, he goes, what's the matter with you? And I said, I'm Italian. Everything, what's the matter with you? The answer is, I'm Italian. We're loud. Get over it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's, listen, I've had a fabulous life. You know, like I said, I'm 55. I feel like I have done a lot, not everything I want to do. Um, but, you know, I, I hear people talk and, like a lot of, uh, unless people are disabled, there are a lot of self-imposed limitations. And I just don't believe in the word no. You know, no means not now. You know, I mean, there are some people that say no and they, they just don't want to be involved and that's okay. But for me, um, find a workaround. Yeah. Do something different, you know. I mean, live your, I've been... 2019, I never heard, I'm living my best life so much. I mean, what the hell is living your best life? Just live. <laughs> you know? I mean, no, 2019 was my best life, so what's 2020 going to be? Right. You know what I mean? My best, best life? Just live your life. You know? I mean, don't don't set limitations. Don't, it, it, to me, just do. Just, like you said, like, what made, I just decided I made a decision to do something. You know? And I store it, you know, like who in their right mind just thinks that somebody's going to give you um, a vehicle, you know, and I was good with a, a used $3,000 vehicle. And they're like, no, that this organization doesn't deserve a used $3,000 vehicle. You guys are doing some stuff. Like you should get some stuff. And I'm like, okay, they're like go pick out a new truck. And I'm like, you know, and I'm be, me being who I am, I'm like, is this a, you know, I'm looking for cameras. Like, is this a gag? Is this a game? And the man that I dealt with, um, they don't, the organization doesn't want to be named, but his yeah. name is Marco. And he was fabulous. He's like, Dawn, he's like, let me tell you, he said, it, they've recognized, they, you know, the powers that be have recognized, and I've seen what you guys are doing. He said, and it's, he said, not a lot of people would do it. He said, you guys are so committed to this. He said, it's crazy. It's fabulous. It's a beautiful thing. So it just, it's morphing and it's, it's just blowing up. Well, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And, and it, it just reminds me uh, that, that sometimes the good guys win, you know, sometimes good things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've got the phone number. I've got the Facebook page information. Um, so I so I will kind of spread the word on, on how people can contact you. Uh, any any closing thoughts here, Don? Any final thoughts that that uh, do, do you think we got it all? Do we do we get, do, do we have the story? You have all. Oh, you have the story and and some of the backstory. Yes, and I thank you for allowing me to tell our story. No, no. I, I thank you for taking the time to, to share it with me. And uh, uh, I, I mean, I'm certainly inspired by it. And uh, I, I do wish you uh, and the We Project all the best. And of course, Derek, too, because he's, he's, he's the glue that really brought us together. So we got to give him a virtual hug here. Well, a virtual hug. And he's the man that puts us out there on social media. That's, that's my heart. That's my heart. 
So absolutely. All right. Very good. The only thing I'll ask of you, Dawn, is if you could uh, email me uh, a headshot of you, which is a picture of you, or any kind of picture you want to share. I always like to put a picture to, to bring these uh, things to life a little bit. So. I will do that, and I will shoot you uh, the link for the WE Project only because there are a few of them, and I want to make sure that you have the right one. So I will send you everything within the hour. All right. Thank you so much, Don. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, Mike. Have a great one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. That was my conversation with Don Carpenter of the WE Project. To learn more about the We Project, visit facebook.com slash we are the We Project or call Dawn directly at 201 456 8908. And if email is more of your thing, hit her up at we are the We Project at gmail.com. Now, listen up. If you want to know more about me, visit mikecarlin.com. That's Carlin with an O and not an I. And at mikecarlin.com, you can check out some of my comedy clips for my stand up as well as purchase my books. Come on, let, let my kids go to college, will you? Uh, you can also catch up on other episodes of Uncorking a Story at iTunes or by visiting uncorkingastory.com. So from all of us here at Uncorking a Story, all the hardworking people here at Uncorking a Story, this is Mike Carlin saying thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.